Roy, Ravhan, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you, Alex, for having me here. Awesome. So you are the CEO and co-founder of Finout. Can you tell us a little bit about, about what Finout does? Um, so uh, Finout, uh, Finout helps organization uh, uh, manage and reduce their uh, their cloud spend across uh, you know both the cloud providers, but also the other super expensive solutions like uh, Databug and stuff like in Databricks and uh, you know aggregate it all into uh, one place, allocate the cost, optimize it, and uh, even get uh, all the way to uh, the cost per customer for uh, for each of our tenants. Awesome. I'm excited to, to dig into some of that stuff. And, and I know this has been like a much bigger issue for people right now with some of the, you know, economy winds changing and things like that. Can you maybe just tell me, you know, based on what your experience, what is so hard about monitoring cost spend, cloud spend, sorry. Yeah. So, um, you know, first we have the, uh, the fragmentation issue, right? So, uh, uh most modern companies are, uh, already multi-cloud and you know, multi-cloud is the, you know, uh, the current basics. Uh, but it's oftentimes like a lot more complicated because uh, uh, we have just vendors that are doing a better job than the cloud providers in most of uh, uh, you know their uh, their specific ways of expertise. So, uh, Snowflake is a better data warehouse than Athena, right? So, um, we start to see more and more companies start to use uh, uh, magnitude multiple vendors, and this starts to uh, uh, you know to create uh, a real fragmentation issue when cost management. So, understanding how much we're spending on AWS. You know, it's it's commodity already, but understanding how much we're spending across our entire usage base spend is hard, and especially when talking about Kubernetes, you know, when it starts to uh, things starts to to obstruct and change, uh, because you know AWS is charging us by the instance, but we're actually running pods. So how the hell do we running that translation? And on top of you know the entire uh, services that we have, it starts to get to be a a real complicated uh, complicated problem. Yep, absolutely. I know you you all have some some new tools out for monitoring Kubernetes spend. I want to get into those in a sec, but like one thing I want to know is like how are the provider tools in this area to like investigate your cost? Are are those any good or like like what's what's the state of those, you know, from what either AWS or GCP or something like that gives you? So, I think uh, you know, the cloud providers have uh, uh drastically improved in the uh, past couple of years. Um, but you know, there's always the, uh, uh, incentive kind of question, uh, floating around, right? So uh, is AWS incentivized to give you the best cost management tool in order to reduce their spend? That's questionable, right? And, uh, they obviously don't have any incentivized to, uh, to help you manage multi-cloud because they want you to, to have everything. So, uh, if you're using two different clouds, so you need to use two different tools and each of those tools has its own terminology, its own limitations and way of, of visualizing stuff. And you need to start to manage those. And if you get to providers that, uh, you know, are not as uh, uh, cost modern, like a data log that has uh, uh, literally zero uh, availability into uh, uh, what you're spending on them other than the, uh, the monthly invoice, then things start to get uh, more complicated because you don't even have a tool uh, with some of the cases. Yeah, absolutely. And and for the customers that, that come to you, are they looking to use you uh, because they actually want to save money? They actually say, hey, I want to cut our bill by X percent sometime. Or is it more about predictability for the finance team and understanding what their expenses are? Or what's the main sort of use case they're looking for there? So uh, what you oftentimes see in the market is, uh, you know, FinOps is, uh, is a journey. And, uh, you know, when company starts to implement FinOps, the same as, uh, you know, they started to implement DevOps uh, a, few, uh, a few years back. So uh, just starting just by Let's visualize what the hell is happening. Let's just start to get aware. 
and then let's start to budget it. Let's start to forecast it. Let's start to optimize, you know, the uh, uh, the low hanging fruit. So uh, let's uh, have better commitments with the vendor. Let's uh, find uh, in right size, uh, you know, uh, underutilized instances and those kind of stuff. Um, but then it starts to get more complicated and start to get into the more advanced use cases. So, uh, like now, how can we uh, uh, really understand what the cost implication of every new change that we do in our environment, uh, like? Uh, what's the uh, attribution for each customer? Maybe we have uh, you know a use case that is more profitable, less profitable. Uh, what's the new pricing scheme that we can start to build? And it's all start like really based on those uh, uh, on those metrics because uh, infrastructure expense is uh, usually the biggest ones in in the company costs, right? So uh, when companies selling a product, uh, most of the money that they get are going towards uh, the infrastructure in order to host it, and like every. Every dollar there, every uh, you know, capability, every percent on the margin can have uh, you know drastic results on 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 company's performance. And I think especially in 2023, uh, like this is what we uh, you know learned as an industry is that uh, profitability matters. And uh, you know we always wanted to like push it further, uh, further down the line, and we'll deal with it someday. But uh, that day has come. Uh, yeah. And yeah. now we need to uh, you know to, to run faster, faster operations in order to uh, uh, to maintain and regain control over our uh, over our spend. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see a pretty big gap between sort of uh, the best in class folks at this stuff and and sort of the, the laggards in terms of how well they understand their costs? And, and you're talking about you know, narrowing it down to customers or to features or things like that. Are there companies that have a pretty good idea of like, hey, this is how much this transaction costs or even this sort of feature is going to cost me? Yeah, so 100%, you know, it's uh, it's all a matter of uh, maturity, you know, the time the companies in the market, their level of adoption of um, of cloud and when they started investing on, on FinOp. So uh, our more mature customers have, uh, uh, you know, really understand, good understanding of uh, uh, gross margin for each individual customer together with all of its attributes, like uh, uh, which sales rep is closing at which margins, uh, which territory is better, which quarter is better. Like they start to really analyze into that and build better pricing. So this is the, uh, you know, the advanced stuff. And we still have customers that, you know, just figure out that cloud is expensive. And they're like, all right, uh, so we migrated from on-prem to, uh, to cloud. And, you know, AWS sold us uh, uh, that it's going to be amazing. But now we start to get bills that we have no idea, no justification why it's happening. And we need to start to drill down into that and, like, start with the low-hanging fruit, start with the allocation, and then, you know, advance all the way to, uh, uh, to that cost per customer dream. So it really depends on, you know, where the company is on the journey. Yeah, absolutely. I want to flip a little bit to uh, the Kubernetes stuff. So you all just released some new Kubernetes cost monitoring stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about that solution? Then I want to go into the, the specific problems around Kubernetes and, and cost. Yeah, so, you know, uh, Kubernetes is, uh, uh, I always say, a blessing and a curse, right? So uh, Kubernetes gives us the ability to... Uh, uh, to run stuff at scale and to not think about uh, uh, you know placements and uh, 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 you know uh, uh, the distribution and the recovery and deployment like everything is amazing at that front. Um, but uh, on the other hand, it's very tough to manage and troubleshoot. But it's also very tough to uh, uh, to predict cost and to uh, to really allocate stuff. So basically, our tools that uh, I know that we had uh, before, if we were running with the native cloud provider tooling. Um, it's breaking when it comes to Kubernetes. So Kubernetes does not have the ability to uh, add and to, to, to break it down. And suddenly we need to uh, um, like report cost in a different language than what the cloud provider is actually charging us. So now we have like a misalignment of uh, you know of technology. So AWS talks in 
instances, but we are like a level up and uh, we need to do that data translation. So Kubernetes uh, uh, was always uh, supported in Finout uh, since almost, uh, almost day one. But uh, what's released today are uh, called Kubernetes Cost Governance. And Kubernetes Cost Governance is the ability to uh, use Kubernetes Cost if, if it's, you know, uh, one of the other uh, uh, line items within uh, within AWS. So we can use Kubernetes within Finout Cost Allocation, you know, to start to break down costs per, uh, uh, per team, for example. So you can take a Kubernetes namespace, everything uh, with uh, that specific label, and combine it with specific instances or RDSs or, uh, uh, you know, Snowflake, Snowflake query tags or whatever uh, to a specific team. Then we can budget on those, uh, uh, those elements that includes all of the infrastructure and Kubernetes. Um, we can forecast based on that. We can find anomalies on Kubernetes as well as the other cloud providers. And we can even create a, a Kubernetes cost optimization effort. So uh, we can help companies right size their pods, which is usually like a, a big nightmare. We can discuss more about this later. But um, you know, uh, developers had the tendency to just you know ask a, a huge amount of resources without uh, any justification on, on why it's actually needed. Uh, so we can help uh, companies you know uh, track when it's uh, when it's happening in order to uh, optimize their requests uh, to uh, uh, later optimize their clusters and uh, and so forth. So. We brought Kubernetes into uh, on, you know every single of uh, Finout's feature, uh, every single of you know, features to have like a full cost governance suite for uh, for Kubernetes. Gotcha. Okay. And rem okay, remind me on Kubernetes terminology. In in instances is, is a pod. Is that roughly right? And then what's a container? Or how how's that work? What's what's sort of like a cloud instance, and what's a service running or a container running on that instance? So uh, Kubernetes uh, 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 nodes are uh, usually translated directly to the uh, uh, the instances from the uh, from the provider. No, um, so we have uh, we're looking at the cluster as uh, kind of a cloud of resources, you know, which is abstracted. Um, and when it comes to Kubernetes, uh, you know, terminology, we're using containers as part of pods, and pods are like the, uh, the smallest unit within a Kubernetes, and can be one of more uh, containers running within that pod that share, uh, you know, our resources and running in the same host. Um, and then pods uh, can be aggregated into like more advanced kind of resources. So uh, we can run deployments or stateful sets or jobs, and like each one has its own uh, uh, own specific uh, you know kind of uh, kind of usage. Um, but uh, this is where it starts to get like uh, really hard, you know. And, and uh, resources such as deployment can live and associated in specific namespaces and uh, you know with specific tags. So now we're asking like what the tag or label in Kubernetes cost. And that label is well. We need to see all the usage of all the containers within those specific hosts that they ran on. Take the proportional cost of the pod allocated to the containers, and then start to sum up the containers into the pod, into the deployment, into the labels that was assigned to it, and report it back across all three clouds. Uh, yeah. So this starts to get like more uh, more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Are you able to break down, you know, the um, the nodes themselves? They sort of map to instances. Are you able to break down things like? Uh, network traffic, or is that more of a black box where it's like, hey, you just have to spread it across uh, the different services? Yeah, so we can allocate the network cost uh, directly into the pod as well. So, you know, when we look at the, uh, the cost of an instance, it's uh, uh, usually around uh, uh, memory, CPU, and network, right? This is our free bottlenecks. Uh, disks are like easy because they're attachable uh, from uh, from the outside, but when looking like that, this is the host capability and what it can do. Um, so we need to allocate all three, you know, to see what's the capabilities of the host and then allocate the proportional cost of the CPU, proportional cost of the memory, proportional cost of the network that was utilized by each, uh, uh, by each pod. Um, so again, a nightmare, but, uh, this is part of yeah. the, uh, uh, Kubernetes, uh, kind of, uh, kind of play of operation and, um, 
by by doing that, we need to like uh, uh, tweak the specifics, uh, uh, you know, for each uh, for each deployment. So maybe there's a deployment that is more uh, memory intensive or CPU intensive, right? So we need to like uh, change the dial between uh, uh, how do we allocate the uh, importance of each of the uh, metrics into uh, into the pod. But uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so your your Kubernetes monitoring—it's an agentless system. Is it, am I understanding that correctly? Can you tell me about like how are you gathering that that sort of information using an, an agentless system? So when we started to build Fanout, it was very important to us to uh, uh, to make everything as frictionless as possible. And you know, as a foremost DevOps leader, uh, the the single worst thing you can tell me to do is install an agent on my Kubernetes clusters. Um, so you know, we wanted to remove that friction and say like a Right. Most companies already have something that monitors their Kubernetes, right? You can't run it blindly. So maybe we can use those solutions that are already monitoring the environment and like take the metrics that we need out of that. So uh, we picked two very common solutions, one being Databug and the other being Prometheus, which you know, Prometheus is the uh, go-to Kubernetes monitoring, just uh, one Helm chart that you can install. Uh, so we can connect to Prometheus or Datalog, fetch all the metrics that we need. Uh, so it's very easy for companies to start to work with us because they don't need to install us. They don't need to trust us. Uh, you know, they need just to, to export the metrics that, that we need uh, for uh, for calculating the cost. And we have everything we need within those. So we have, you know, which host it was running on, uh, which uh, uh, memory, CPU, and network usage it had. And then we can allocate the cost based on the actual cost that we had across uh, across everything. Uh, this is, you know, gives us the ability to run, uh, uh, you know, fin out uh, also with uh, different pricing models than the rest because we don't really care about clusters. Uh, we don't care about the amount of nodes. We don't care about anything. We just care about, you know, the resources that we're managing. So uh, fin out is a limited cluster kind of solution. And we have the ability to do like uh, uh, more uh, uh, more advanced stuff with uh, more like better test uh, efficiency, you know, experience. Yeah, it's nice when you don't have to have a, a pricing model that's sort of like fights your customers, right? And they're like trying to avoid having all these clusters and, and things like that just to avoid having to pay more to some third party. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, I think it's the worst thing you can do, you know, to uh, right. to change your architecture in order to use like shit a specific vendor and exactly. kind of it depends by cluster. You have one cluster free, but you're charging on a limited cluster. So people are going to start to hack, you know, the system, start yeah. to like open multiple installations just to hack your pricing model. It's like you're preventing value. Uh, yeah. And uh, we, we don't believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you run on, you know, different cloud providers and all that thing. A, a lot of them have different Kubernetes service implementations. Are are they pretty? Do they play nice together with with your stuff, or did you have to do a lot of custom stuff for each cloud to make them to make them work? Are they all conforming to sort of a general Kubernetes thing? So. Um... If we think about that problem, you know, of Kubernetes uh, cost management, it's just a private case of a bigger problem of uh, vendors are like, you know, uh, miscommunicating the uh, the metrics that that we uh, we see fit. So think of uh, S3 buckets and folders and uh, RDS and tables and even like Snowflake charge you by uh, the uh, uh, you know by storage and by credits, but you're actually running queries in warehouses. So this pattern of like obscuring the actual cost you care about is is constantly uh, happening within uh, within those vendors. So what we did is, is, is like developing a general solution in order to break down any type of cost with any type of, you know, third-party metric, which whatever weights we have. So our solution, you know, for Kubernetes is just a private case of that, uh, uh, you know, of that abstraction. So we don't really care about if you're using uh, uh, EKS, you know, as a managed Kubernetes or EKS or GKE or installing your own cluster, which really no one does anymore, but 
uh, it's still it's still an option because we treat the Kubernetes resource pool as you know cost, and we treat uh, the pods as you know one metric that we can uh, we can derive, and then we can allocate the cost based on anything. So it really doesn't matter if it's managed or not managed. We just solve the problem, like the general problem, and then we can uh, you know allocate it to uh, to all the solutions that uh, that are there. Yeah, how how delayed is is cost data? Is it you know up to the minute or hour, or is it maybe a day or two behind? What's that look like? So it really depends on the vendor, uh, you know. So uh, with uh, AWS uh, being the most prominent example, it's uh, usually between twenty four and forty eight hours, and even then they can you know do back fixing, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know everything. Um, so uh, uh, it is what it is usually. So when looking at uh, AWS cost management, uh, the standard is around 48 hours in delay before we are, uh, uh, you know, we know that the rest stops messing around with the whole data that we're working at. Uh, but with solutions that are, uh, uh, you know, we're extrapolating costs and we're doing our sorts of uh, calculation and not, uh, you know, are relying on them like closing a bill. Um, so it can be, uh, you know, matter of like, last day and and it's always live so solution like the log and stuff like we close every day and just uh, you know uh, publishes the uh, the results so uh, really really depends on on the specific vendors but it's not a real time kind of uh, kind of thing at all if it's real time it means that you're guessing on what the cost will be because cost is like very very dependent on a specific uh, uh, instance and like commitment plans and EDP discounts and uh, uh, spots or not spots or you know those kinds of terminologies so, uh, it can like change drastically like uh, tens of percent uh so yeah. uh if you don't want to guess you just have to wait to get your reaction data from from AWS. absolutely do you think we'll see sort of uh i don't know if you call it like the free tier problem or like the accidental bill problem but basically like you know someone is trying to learn and then accidentally spins up has like a thousand dollar bill you know do you think we'll see cloud providers actually take that on or is it so difficult with sort of this billing delay that you're mentioning and maybe it's probably small enough potatoes for them that they're just like, why, you know, why, why work on that? Do you think we'll see progress in that area? I think we have seen like AWS starts to give uh, a better tooling, uh, like a uh, cost explorer is not, uh, you know, as horrible that it was before. Uh, so you can create the budgets and you can create alerts and uh, you're getting uh, cost recommendations, you know, from, uh, from AWS. So I think uh, AWS is aware that, uh, you know, they are starting to be a problem. And uh, when uh, you know AWS cares about their customers and want to uh, uh, like reduce churn, they need to make sure that you know uh, everyone is still well incentivized to continue to operate in AWS. So if they're gonna just let you do whatever you want, you're gonna figure out one day that you're just overspending and you move to one of the competitors. So AWS has that incentive in order to uh, to make yeah uh, to make it. But you know it's always like a fine balance between. Uh, uh, running you as efficient as possible, but not like spending on stuff that uh, uh, you're going to knock on the door and ask for a refund. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, you hear a lot of those complaints like on Reddit or Twitter or things like that, people running up those bills, but it, it, hopefully, I, I guess it's not not as common as it seems and, and things like that. Um, one thing I want to ask you about just like with, with billing, you know, we've seen over the last couple of years, a movement towards a lot more paper use type stuff. You know, we have Lambda, we have Snowflake that you mentioned and things like that. How has that changed uh, billing, planning for billing, unpredictability around that? Um, so, so actually, I like to think of the problem as a, a tiered kind of approach, right? So uh, uh, five years ago, we had the cloud providers. So only the, the only cloud consumption we had is for the cloud providers themselves. And now we start to pay for solutions that are consuming cloud providers and they start to be another problem. 
And we also start to see that we pay for solutions that consuming solutions that are starting that problem. So uh, I think uh, uh, one uh, you know very hot uh, example is going to be uh, uh, with uh, with generative AI, right? So we're uh, uh, utilizing OpenAI to use cloud resources, and then we're paying for GitHub Autopilot that is consuming OpenAI that's consuming cloud resources. So the problem is not getting any simpler; it's just getting more and more and more abstract with more and more layers. Um, so we have now more possibilities to uh, to uh, induct cloud expense, but in indirect manner. So like the more vendors that we're using, uh, it's everything is translated to the cloud. Like uh, there's an infrastructure behind everything, right? Um, so we just uh, uh, we're hiding cloud charges like uh, uh, use a specific managed service that is not even part of the cloud provider themselves. So uh, like the more vendors that we have and the that's migration towards used to base pricing and migration towards OPEX is really fundamentally changing the way that uh, uh, you know we're, we're inducting and it's just, just start to get more and more and more complicated. So Lambda is more complicated than running this stuff. And Snowflake is more complicated than running up uh, just the storage and stuff. And it's continued to get more and more complicated this time as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about your time at, at Logs, Logs.io, which is, you know, it's a a logging provider, you're built on top of these clouds, but you're really providing like a fundamental sort of infrastructure component. And I, I'm sure your infrastructure costs were a, a big part of that, right? Because you're providing so much storage and query on top of that. I guess like in your role there, how how familiar were, were you and how concerned were you specifically with maintaining costs? Or was that like, like I guess like how deep into the engineering team did that, did that get? Is that something you were always focused on or what did that look like? Yeah, so uh, in Logzero, I, I ended up as an engineering director uh, managing the uh, uh, the entire infrastructure side. So uh, it was uh, both the uh, you know the pure DevOps kind of uh, uh, traditional role, but also uh, the uh, the teams that are responsible for uh, the ingestion pipelines and like making sure that Logzero works at scale. Um, and like in Logzero, I was in charge. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was getting yelled at when a system failed, but I was also getting yelled at when the system cost too much money. And this is oftentimes, uh, you know, very contradicting kind of set of rules, uh, because you know when the system failed, you are you're increasing the auto scaling group, just spinning up a bunch more services, just to quiet down everything to make sure that everything's operate. And then like uh, uh, the last week, yeah, the next week is gonna be all right. So why did the AWS charge uh, grow by five percent? And don't you remember the production incidents from last week? We discussed <laughs> it. We want to do add more resources. And no, no, drop it all, drop it all, drop it all. So. Um, it was uh, uh, it was very hard to uh, to find that uh, to find that balance and with uh, with the uh, you know the when time goes by and we start to get uh, more and more uh, uh, you know distributed with uh, with our operation everything starts to get like uh, exponentially harder so we used more AWS services on more regions migrated some of the workload to Azure then purchased Mailchimp and Twilio and Akamai and a bunch of security products and now I have like fifty different user based price software you know, all the part of my production environment and finance like calls me. It's like, uh, hey, Rory, by the way, uh, what's the price for that customer? I say, uh, seriously, I mean, I have yeah. <laughs> I have no idea on uh, how do you, how do you even tackle that? I have like 50 different services. I can't isolate a specific tenant out of that. Uh, but even like uh, a lot more simple questions like uh, AWS bill grew by 5%. Is this good or not? Yeah. And, you know, it's it might be good because our revenue grew by ten uh, percent and our AWS bill only grew by five percent, so you know thumbs up. But it's probably going to be you know a combination of revenue growth and uh, uh, you know uh, our ability to uh, like to uh, uh, to support more resources uh, using that. But also we messed up somehow probably yeah. like 
man, 100%. Um, and uh, finding that right balance between, you know, uh, all costs are always growing, but what's growing on proportionally to what it should have. Um, so let's look at, it's a difficult problem that, you know, we faced on a daily basis. Uh, we're getting reports from the, the, uh, the cost management solution we use. So like, right, the AWS bill is that number. Like, hmm, is that the right one? Um, and we need to start, you know, to track back, look at 200 different managed services on eight regions on AWS and see like what's growing non-proportionally to our revenue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, good luck. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did you have... I don't know either stories you have or or common issues you you see where of of um, you know cost explosions or or areas where people are sort of making the wrong mistake that, or making the wrong choice that's costing them more without just because maybe an education problem or awareness problem around that. Uh, yeah, so you know AWS is uh, uh, notoriously hard with uh, uh, you know really understanding the. Uh, the cost model of specific services. So, you know, internet gateway is always the one that uh, spends something in mind. And the uh, 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 uh you know, infrequent access. Yeah. So there's like a, a small letter that said that you have to keep each object there for 30 days. And people like really don't even think about it. So they say, all right, I'm putting another, uh, I'm putting something on, on that uh, infrequent access. I'm not going to read it. I know that I'm not going to read it, so I'm okay with infrequent access, but I'm deleting it in less than 30 days. So it starts to see like uh, we had multiple stories of that <laughs> that you just yeah. you wake up one day you feel like the AWS bill is like twenty percent higher than what it did, uh, and they're like, wait, but it's a feature that was supposed to like save money. We we turn on this flag, it's just literally one click in the UI, and you know, a hundred thousands of dollars go by. Or CloudWatch uh, usage when you don't even know or understand, or yeah. utilizing lab the metrics when you don't need to. So uh, there's a bunch of uh, common pitfalls that uh, uh, you know customers are using. Um, but it can be like significantly uh, 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 more uh, simple, like 40% uh, uh, of the instances are over-provisioned, yeah. meaning that you're uh, once, uh, one uh, tier higher in the instance type than you should. So this means you're just paying double for 40% of your infrastructure. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and not even talking about idle stuff and, uh, you know, technology refreshed, AWS just released GP3 instead of GP2. There's literally no reason not to use uh, and people are like the link that's migration is no way to no just change. Uh, it's gonna save you so much money. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a uh, there's a lot of these, and uh, it's a constant battle because it keeps on happening, right? So there's more new stuff that they're releasing at AWS. They have more and more complicated pricing. Companies are using more services, and uh, you know it's harder and harder. Yep. Yep. So the, are there a, like I don't want to say a bunch, but are there is there a fair number of of changes that you know, when people sign up for FinOut, they can they can get in there, and right away you have like changes they can make that that almost don't even require architect like coding changes or anything. Like maybe a little bit in your infrastructure as code or something like that, but basically a click button type of situation, and they can save some of these easy ones like uh, you know the dis the dis um, type and things like that. Yeah, so uh, we have a product suite called CostGuard, and CostGuard uh, is the ability for us to uh, like scan the environment and find the uh, the long hanging fruits. So uh, uh, because we're looking at both uh, cost usage and uh, telemetry data, we can start to, uh, you know, figure out uh, which instances are, uh, uh, you know, um, over-provisioned, uh, which services are unused and are idle and just need to be, like, the recommendations just shut this down. Uh, which technology refresh you do, uh, which uh, uh, recommend, uh, which, uh, sorry, uh, uh, commitments you should, uh, you should buy for a specific uh, in a specific instance type, so maybe we can just just by committing to a uh, to a year, it's gonna save you so much money. It doesn't even worth the risk. Um, 
or uh, you know, when it comes to uh, like more uh, uh, auxiliary services like Elasticsearch has like its own pitfalls. So uh, the more services you're using, the more potential savings that you have on uh, on common pitfalls that uh, that you can run that you can constantly scan. And it's not a one-time thing; like it keeps on happening. Like DevOps continue to operate their environment; they can continue to make mistakes. Developers continue to make mistakes and like over-provision stuff. Uh, so it's a constant uh, cost and bubble. And as I mentioned before, Kubernetes is also uh, also huge stuff. So uh, uh, you know. More and more companies starts to rely a majority of their environment on Kubernetes, and then right sizing again shifted one level up uh, than uh, than its original problem. So it's okay to have the cluster over provision because we need to like uh, to have space to spin up more pods when we need to. Uh, but are the pods uh, you know requesting the right proper amount of resources? Because when developer are spinning up a new service, it's uh, really rare that you know the running benchmarks to understand what's the actual consumption requirements of their service. And as a, um, I don't know, let's uh, let's go with uh, uh, 16 gigs of RAM and five cores. So uh, you know, I, I will always be like, uh, and no, it's, it's it's entire like uh, it's it's one host uh, for per pod. Like it's it's insane. Um, yeah. So finance can help. And, and it never gets changed. Actual, like no one never. looks at it for a long time. Yeah. Never, is that never, easy never. to to you know look at you know after it's been running a month or two or things like that and get a sense of like hey this is what the actual uses it usage is for a a pod and right size that or is that still pretty difficult? Yeah, so if you have the proper tool, uh, you know, so the stuff yeah. with Finot, uh, you can uh, you can run that. So uh, we can track the uh, again. We were tracking uh, the metrics for uh, throughout the history. Is uh, like, uh, all right, so this pod never used more than this amount of memory, but it's often is like uh, the, the P90 of that uh, of that pod is like running on that kind of uh, uh, you know. This is the line for uh, memory consumption. It's the line for CPU consumption. Just. Change your YAML uh, yeah. in, in Kubernetes, yeah. and you can save. Yeah. We can actually give the dollar sign. So you know, it's thousands of dollars every month just by changing these two lines in your Kubernetes YAML. There's literally zero reason not to do that, and zero risk because you never used more than, you know, at two gigs of memory. There's literally no reason to ask five. You're never getting to it. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, running those continuous operations with uh, with Kubernetes can save so much money. Once you start to optimize your pods, you can later go ahead and optimize your instances for each Kubernetes cluster. So now that we reduced everything, we need less Kubernetes resources. So we can uh, either with our, our cluster autoscaler just spin up less, or we can right size to pick a different kind of uh, Kubernetes uh, uh, instance family because maybe we need more uh, RAM, maybe we need more CPU, you know, per, uh, per efficiency. So we have yeah. more ability to, to do that. Yeah, I love that the most about some of these like automated maintenance tools of just like, how many times have you set something up at the beginning, guessed at the metrics and things like that and roll it out. And then it just falls off your radar to, to go back and check because you're moving on to the next service and stuff. But if you just have something to say, say like, look, you're, you're, you're twice as much memory as you need, twice as much CPU as you need, just, just change those real quick. It's going to take you 10 minutes and then you're, you're out of there. Like, uh, just to, like keep you on top of that stuff. And, and as a reminder, and it can really save some, some serious money there. Um, exactly. You mentioned reserved instances. What are your thoughts on reserved instances? Do you recommend people use reserved instances? Have you seen some bad situations there? Like any best practices around that? Uh, so I think there's really no reason not to do that. Like uh, people are always afraid of committing. So now I'm going to take the decision in uh, next quarter, next month, next like, But it, it really doesn't matter, right? So you're not going to leave AWS within that year, right? So I can yeah. guarantee it. Uh, you're not going to leave AWS within three years as well. Uh, so you just rather off commit. So don't commit to the most strict part of our eyes. So you have a convertible rise. So you can always change them. So just yeah. pick an instance type, buy as many rises as you need. And worst case, convert it if you're running to uh, to different types. So you get less savings, but you still be able to, like it's, it's significantly higher than zero. Um, 
And uh, same with uh, AWS has the RI marketplace, right? So it's worst case, you can just set it. Uh, you know, so AWS is like a very vibrant marketplace. You will find someone willing to sell, uh, to buy your uh, your unused right? So, uh, and as long as you have a tool that constantly shows you like what's uh, what's your utilization, what's your status, there's really no reason not to uh, not to do that. And like the the higher you commit for longer periods of time, like the more discount you get from uh, from AWS, so always pending your uh, uh, in a specific payment terms, if it's uh, uh, upfront, partially upfront, or uh, or no upfront. Uh, so the more money you give to AWS for as many years as possible, obviously you're gonna get the uh, the higher levels of discount. So uh, it really depends on how sure of you. So it also can be like different parts of the application. You have like different certainty on 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 it, right? So if you have a specific database that is core to your business, it's running for years. Really, no reason not to commit for three years upfront, right? So it's uh, yeah. it's just there. You can take the risk, but it's just worth the extra money that you you can save. For the more fluctuative part, don't commit to everything. Uh, run some of it on spots. Uh, commit to some in, in saving plans, which is a bit more uh, uh, you know fluid in terms of what you uh, what you can do. So, really yeah. depends. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I always like to close with just like a little bit of future forward-looking stuff, what you're excited about. One thing, you know, you know a lot about Kubernetes and, and especially like in the cost game, all that stuff. You mentioned how Kubernetes is great at a lot of things. It's also very complex. Uh, where do you see it sort of like, do you, th do you think it will continue to just gain more and more market share over the next five, 10 years or so? Or do you think we'll see uh, different solutions sort of pop up and, and take some of that away? Uh, I really don't see another uh, another alternative at, uh, at this point. You know, when Kubernetes started, uh, there was a kind of a war, right? So uh, Kubernetes or uh, Mesosphere or uh, Docker Swarm, uh, Nomad. But uh, like I think uh, you won't find anyone who will say that Kubernetes is, did not win. Like uh, we're flying to Amsterdam uh, for uh, for KubeCon, which is a sold out in person event, ten thousand people uh, a month, yeah. uh, like uh, the, the month before. Uh, it's it's insane. Uh, so yeah. Kubernetes is the industry standard. I think this is uh, this is here to stay. Kubernetes uh, would just get uh, smarter and uh, you know easier to manage and like bake more stuff uh, within uh, within it. And I think the cloud providers are also you know uh, uh, investing more in in Kubernetes adoption. And uh, we started to see like uh, people calling it the uh, the modern uh, uh, cloud uh, operating system. And and it really is right. So I can just install Kubernetes and I don't need to think about everything else. So like uh, Finout is a 100% Kubernetes organization, by the way. So we built our entire infrastructure on Kubernetes. This gives us stability. We can migrate between clouds based on, you know, that tomorrow we can uh, operate Finout in our remote regions. We can do whatever we want because we're running 100% on Kubernetes. We don't even need to think about it. We don't need to patch servers. We don't need to do anything. Else. Everything continues to uh, to change when it's the fit. If there is a uh, you know a, a CV in one of the instances, it just spin up automatically a new one with patch uh, specificity. The pod is migrated and we're done. Like we don't even need to think about it. So it gives us so much more flexibility uh, in terms of uh, managing our environment that uh, we know see a uh, see a way back. I think it's going to get more and more advanced, uh, and uh, we're going to see more uh, a lot more innovation. I uh, you know around that, but uh, Kubernetes yeah. is here to stay. Yeah. On the on that same note, you say you could switch cloud providers, all that stuff. Do you? Do you currently run in multiple cloud providers, or do you run all on all, all your actual sort of infrastructure on on one cloud provider? Uh, so running most of the workload on AWS, and we're a relatively young company. Uh, we yeah. do utilize other cloud vendors for their specific set of abilities. So sure. you know, Google uh, BigQuery is is amazing, and yeah. uh, they have the ability to run uh, you know uh, machine learning models and use those kinds of uh, stuff, which is uh, uh, better than what we can get on AWS. So running specific portion of Fanout in uh, in uh, Google uh, uh, GCP because, you know, uh, why not? We can utilize it and we don't really uh, 
uh, you know, I think Yammer companies are not really related to one specific uh, uh, cloud vendor. You can just pick and choose between uh, between the right ones. And as long as we are able to centralize, uh, manage everything, which Terraform is amazing yet, and I know we can manage the cost centralized, which Venus is amazing yet, like we can uh, continue to really not care where we're running our service as long as we're getting like the best service and the best price and uh, uh, really just innovate. And uh, this is what important. Yeah. Nice. And is that on EKS on AWS? Yep. And and what what are your have you been pretty happy with that? What's that been, experience been like? So um, you know EKS is uh, significantly better than what it was at lunch. I remember uh, you know attending the reinvent when now uh, in the lunch EKS and uh, like everyone like uh, really like this is what you worked on for the past <laughs> three years like uh, this is your answer. <laughs> Um, yeah. And uh, and it took a bit of time, but now like EKS is is a lot uh, significantly better. It's still not you know perfect. I think Google is uh, is more advanced with uh, with GKE, but uh, EKS is uh, uh, you know getting to be a really a commodity service. You don't even think about it; just launch clusters. It's still more complicated than what it should have been. It's still you know you can uh, uh, you can blame AWS with uh, with many things, but eventually the technology works. It's enabling Kubernetes to the masses. I, I remember at Logs.io when you started to adopt Kubernetes. No one even thought about managing Kubernetes like uh, uh, for the cloud provider. We needed to install Kubernetes. It took us like months to create automated installation to make sure we have all the public rules and Terraform for, for everything. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and uh, now you just click your know, cluster. So I think, you know, it's it's significantly better and just getting better and better with that. Yeah, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Okay. Any, uh, you know, we talked about future of Kubernetes. What about you? Any any future, um, you know, tech or anything you're exploring, you're excited about? Um, anything around there? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, 2023 is a very interesting year in uh, uh, in so many fronts. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a, uh, as a founder that is building, a, a, you know, cloud cost management company in, in 2023, we have, uh, we're really excited about what's, uh, what's coming. Like, we see the market really evolves in front of our eyes. We see more competitors, we see more innovation, and we're like, we're, we're digging it. It's, it's amazing to see, like, uh, what the market is uh uh, is evolving and FinOps really taking the forefront. Uh, so, you know, in uh, trying to sell FinOps for, uh, uh, in, in early 2021, people were talking about like, uh, who really cares about money? We just need to run fast and bring more customer, right? I don't even yeah. need to care about it. I have like unlimited check from, uh, from my CFO. Yeah. Um, and now like, you know, the, the entire, uh, entire conversation changed and, uh, I'm really excited to see like uh, what's uh, uh, what's continuing to happen, how we can uh, you know bring FinOps really to the forefront, and uh, uh, see what organization comes up with and their requirements uh, from uh, from a solution like us, and uh, you know having the, the opportunity to uh, uh, to lead this market you know with uh, with a very innovative solutions gives us the ability to play around with uh, so many use cases and meet uh, prospect that you know starts to demand stuff that we never ever dreamed of, um, and like. Yeah, this is possible. <laughs> you know, we just uh, let's, let's ship that feature. So, um, it's a uh, uh, it's super fun, uh, super fun time uh, to uh, to see that. And uh, I really think that uh, cost management is uh, is here to stay for the long run. I mean, uh, like the uh, we have a scar, uh, you know, living scar as <laughs> a, a market, yeah. and uh, just uh, you know, not thinking about uh, about margins uh, and about the efficiency of the software that we're building is just not something that's going to repeat itself in the at least coming years. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when the market is going to bounce back, uh, our money is going to be free again, everyone will be happy, but uh, that scar is going to maintain. Uh, so I really think that, uh, you know, cost management and the entire, uh, you know, philosophy around it is uh, uh, 
is fundamentally changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was very forward-looking of, of you and the team to be thinking about this two years ago when, when truly everyone was spending like crazy yeah. and, and not thinking about that. So I, I'm glad it's working out for you and, and all that. For folks that are listening, you know, have Kubernetes, have 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 high cloud bills and want to know more about FinOut, where can they learn more about you, more about FinOut, and, and take a look? Uh, so uh, we have uh, finout.io, uh, a public website. You know, where people can sign up for offer a free trial. We can open, uh, set up their accounts. They can onboard themselves and start to really play with uh, uh, with the tool. We're here to help and uh, uh, you know to uh, uh, to run uh, uh, processes. We are SOC compliant. You know, so everything that is uh, on the uh, um, uh, whole uh, infosec nightmare is usually being taken care of and. Uh, yeah, it's really easy to start and work with us and see like what we uh, what we can offer. And now, you know, we're happy to uh, just chit chat about cloud cost management in any day and just share us with your problems and uh, maybe we can help. Yeah, awesome. One thing I found is like these these special vendors like you, you have so much knowledge. You've seen so many customers about this that even just like a conversation with you as part of you know <laughs> signing up for a subscription like is is just worth its weight in gold because you've seen uh, so much. So I'm 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 telling everyone take advantage of that. Uh, the people that know what they're talking about. So anyway, uh, really, Rav Han, CEO, co-founder of uh, FinOut. Thank you for coming on Software Engineering Daily. Thank you, Alex, so much. I had a blast. Awesome.